Let's turn in our Bibles to where we were at last week and looking at what Paul was saying in the about or to the Corinthian church as he challenged them on issues they had there in First Corinthians chapter one. <clears throat> After he had introduced himself to the church and then got on to the issues that were facing them. And God knew that for 2,000 years the church would be going. Paul didn't. In fact, Paul and the apostles thought the Lord was coming real soon. Like we think the Lord's coming real soon. <laughs> we hope the Lord's coming real soon. And, um, and God knew that in 2,000 years there'd be a lot of things that would rise as issues in the church. The apostles didn't know that. And he was inspiring them to write the Bible that would deal with all these things, doctrines and things that would rise and that we have them penned down for us today. The whole canon of Scripture would be written and we would be able to look at them in the 20th century, 2000, two millennia later, and be able to say, this, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> and so we have answers to these issues. That's a blessing, isn't it? <clears throat> to think the Lord was thinking of us. And the issue that we looked at last week was concerning baptism. They're bickering about baptism. And is it an issue today? Well, as we saw plainly last week, it is. Has it been an issue down through the centuries? It certainly has. Divided churches, it's, it's caused the execution of Christians, <clears throat> particularly those that believe in baptism and a different form of baptism. Would you say, if someone believed in the heresy of infant baptism, that you'd kill them for it? That's right. <laughs> That's the right reaction, Barbara. <laughs> no, I wouldn't kill them if they believed in that. But I wouldn't agree with them. I would strongly disagree with them. And what about if they didn't believe in immersion? They believed in, you know, in the fountain on the head. I'd disagree with them, but... You wouldn't say, well, to the executioner's block, but that's what's happened. And then, then I have to ask the question, if people would do that to another individual, what would you call them? A murderer. <laughs> you would call them a murderer. And if they're a murderer, what does the Bible say? They, they're not going to heaven. So they're living their Christianity on laws and do's and don'ts, and it's not Christianity at all. So, yeah, you can see if they're true blue or not by what they do to others. <clears throat> and so <clears throat> let's be show the real colours of our Christianity in these things. doesn't mean you work with those you disagree with, but you and hold hands with them and but you don't have to go knocking them off for that reason. <coughs> there's a lot of things <laughs> a lot of things, a lot of areas and more so today than any because we've been living for 2,000 years and there's an accumulation of all these things and as Paul said in Second Timothy, is it second or first, chapter 3 of one of the Timothys <laughs> these things accumulate and there's a building of them <laughs> yep, I marvel and, and listening to some of the things and I said, how do they, 
how do they get that? And I listen to them, oh, I see how they get it. And they go here and grab a bit, and they go here and grab a bit, and they go here and grab a bit, and throw them all together, stir the soup, and they got they got veggie soup, <laughs> whatever. You know, a Heinz variety of doctrine. And no, you cannot do that to the Bible. You cannot. You have to go by rules to interpret the scripture. Anyway, let's get back to the Bible here. And we were middle of the middle of the way looking at the hyper dispensationalism. Do we believe in dispensations? We did. If you noticed, I brought it a little bit into the sermon this morning in, in, in saying that, you know, God, when I was saying God, I've dealt with you. I have dealt with you in different means and methods throughout history, you know, in innocence and, and conscience and, and human government and all those. That was dispensation. I didn't call it that because if I say that, that offends people. But I don't say it and they listen enough. They're, oh, yeah, that's right. It is. It's Bible. And in grace, and he's dealing with us in grace today. But <clears throat> hyperdispensation, you know, we can go overboard. That's the, that's the nature of humans. We can go overboard on anything. And in our day, in the things that are happening around us, let's not go overboard on something. There's a lot of things on the internet that can cause us to go this way or that way. Let's go down the middle. I'm not saying riding the fence, <laughs> sitting on the fence, but let's be careful about the decisions we make. <sighs> hyper. <laughs> if you go hypo, <laughs> you know, a child who goes hypo is out of control. Yeah, be careful. Anyway, we're up to number about four or five. We're looking at these hyper dis dispensationalists and in regarding to baptism and um, <clears throat> doctrines they believe other than baptism and the fourth one was the gospel preached by Peter in the early church was well, the early part of the book of Acts is different from the gospel preached by Paul we looked at that and we said no it wasn't Peter's gospel is the same gospel <clears throat> if you go to Peter I don't think we looked its verse up notice what Peter said in 2nd Peter chapter 3 <laughs> this is what he talked about Paul even after Paul had <laughs> publicly shamed him and this is our attitude when somebody puts us in our place and they're right and our pride <laughs> he shouldn't have done that and P Paul being Paul and Peter being Peter it could have been a permanent division but it wasn't because listen to verse 15 of chapter 3 of 2nd Peter and this is what Peter said, an account that the long-suffering of our Lord in is salvation, even as our, and what did he call Paul? Our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles. What did he say? We are preaching the same gospel. We are preaching the same salvation. We are on the same page. We are in the same church. There's no two churches. I'm not running the... Jew church down here and he's not running the Gentile church up here we're on the same page <laughs> we're in the same church and we are writing epistles his epistles my epistles they're written to the church in them of these things in which is some things hard to be understood Peter said he's an intellectual I'm not that way I'm a fisherman <laughs> which they that are unlearned and unstable rest <clears throat> as they do also other scriptures unto their own destruction you need to read what Paul said he might be hard to be understood but he's 
you need to read and study those things because they'll help you in your Christian life. And they're all for the church, the united... (laughs) Careful about that today. The united, not the uniting, the united church that there in the early church was united around the word and the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's one little thing, and uh, we could go to many others. Now, as far as the gospel's concerned, Paul said in one of the earlier writings of his in Galatians chapter 1, in that verse, or those verses in chapter 1, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you by the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there are some that trouble you and pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that we have preached unto you, let him be a curse. Even Paul said there's only one gospel. There's not a gospel to the Jews. And these people say that that was the gospel of the kingdom and a gospel to the Gentiles. It's one gospel. Yeah. Let him be accursed if you're preaching another gospel. <clears throat> okay, the fifth point was, it's, um, in this hyper thing, hyper-dispensational baptism and the Lord's Supper, and we mentioned this one quickly as we closed last week, Baptism and the Lord's Supper were given to Paul before he received the church age mysteries. Thus, they are not for the church today. But some of these people that teach this differ on this point. Some accept both baptism and the Lord's Supper. (coughs) Some reject water baptism and the Lord's Supper altogether, while others reject only baptism and keep the Lord's Supper. Sixthly, the hyper-dispensationalism. There are different ways of salvation in the Old Testament, and I mentioned these but didn't look at some detail. There are different ways of salvation in Old Testament and during the tribulation. Like, for instance, and mentioned the name of Peter Ruckman, for example, teaches that men were saved by faith plus works in the Old Testament and that they'll be saved by faith plus works in the tribulation and by works alone in the millennium. He said, Ruckman said, in in millions disappear in his book, Fact or Fiction, if the Lord comes and you remain behind, behind, then start working like a madman to get to heaven because you're going to have to. Don't believe any of this. This is what he said. You, you must keep the Ten Commandments, all of them. Ecclesiastics 12, 13, he quotes. Keep the golden rule, 1 John three ten. Give your money to the poor. Get, bap- get baptized. Take up your cross. Hold out to the end of the tribulation. I know where he gets that one from, Matthew. Wait for Jesus Christ to show up at the Battle of Armageddon and prepare to die for what you believe. In the tribulation, you cannot be saved by grace alone like you could before the rapture. End of quote. That's what he said. And in fact, no, this is, not, this is end of quote, okay? Romans 4 verses 1 to 8 plainly states that before Abraham... Uh, sorry, states that Abraham before the law and David under the law were saved by faith without works. <laughs> this is the only plan of salvation God has ever had and will ever have. Salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, based on the shed blood of Christ alone. <laughs> the Old Testament saints did not know what the New Testament saints know, but Romans 4 makes it plain they were saved by faith without works all the time okay 
Here's a little book. It's out of print, but you can get it online or you can print it off online. <laughs> Wrongly Dividing the Word of Truth by Harry Einstein. That's a good book that you can get. And it was a book, but now I don't think it's... It might have been reprinted. That's Wrongly Dividing the Word of Truth, talking about these people by ultra-dispensationalism examined in the light of Holy Scripture. And there's another book being put out <clears throat> by another person, Bruce Lackey, about salvation in Old Testament and New Testament is the same, by faith. And so <clears throat> there's a couple of recommendations. So we've dealt with the baptism issue. They're bickering about baptism here in the Church at Corinth. And, oh well, I'm more important. I was baptised by Paul. And, and uh, as I said here, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptised in the name of Paul? I thank God I baptised none of you, but the, as we said last week, Crispus and Gaius. And he wasn't listing names and didn't keep a list. And he didn't remember if he had baptised anyone else but them and the household of Stephanus. Uh, <clears throat> now, in verse 17 is where Paul put the emphasis. Paul, the burdened ambassador, is speaking here in verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptise. That's, that's not why I've been sent out to the Gentile nations and peoples. But to preach the gospel not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. What's the real important thing? And let's not go hypo on this too, because some people will say, let's just preach the gospel. Everything else is unimportant. Let's just hold hands on this one and forget everything else. What other things could we forget about? <laughs> Today, what things could we forget about? And this has happened in evangelistic crusades particularly. Remember? Separation. Yep. Let's hold hands with who? Everybody. The Catholics, the Charismatics. <clears throat> I remember Dad saying that when they got Billy Graham, 1954, 56 crusades from Warburton, little country town. It's a little littler country town now, as it were. I think there's more houses, but there seems to be less people. If you go up to Warburton, it's like Switzerland up there. <coughs> up the Warburton Highway, great big mountains, Donobuang, <coughs> Nutcrackers Hospital there, Seventh-day Adventist. It's closed, I think. They get... But anyway, all up that valley, and when you used to go up there, it smelt like Whitbix, because they had the Whitbix factory there, <laughs> sanitarium factory. <clears throat> it smelt nice in the valley, and the Yarra River running through it. It was a beautiful place. That's where I was born. <laughs> but it, <clears throat> you know, all hold hands. They took busloads, busloads of people. Dad was in the middle of it all. Everyone went down there to the Melbourne to the Crusade. Busloads. And Dad said they all went forward for salvation. 
But he said, ten years later, there's about one of them, of the busloads, to be found in church. <clears throat> when they come back, they were recommended to go to whatever church they came from or their family was affiliated with way back. Catholic, whatever. You go back to the church you come from. That's, you see, <clears throat> that's emphasising just that. You've got to have the understanding of Scripture, of all of the... <clears throat> it says, what, is, what does Paul say? The Scripture is given for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness, all of the Bible. All Scripture is profitable. So, but Paul's focus was getting the gospel out, but he did stay. What church did he stay at and preach and teach and help him to grow at the most? That's where he sent out from, and he was early in there. But there's a church at him and the Apostle John and um, the Mr. and Mrs. Can't remember their names. Shame on me. A Priscilla and Aquila, Aquila and a Priscilla, whichever way you put Mr. and Mrs. <clears throat> Them too. <laughs> they, they taught there as well. A church that was very sound in doctrine. Very privileged church, but he, he taught them. And from them sounded out the word of God throughout all Asia. Church at Ephesus. And remember they're mentioned in the book of Revelation as well. Only one thing they lacked. They got so doctrinally sound that they lacked love. That's what they'd become like in 90 AD, about, what, 50 years later. Isn't that what can happen? <clears throat> but they, they were reaching out people, and they believed the truth, they were taught the truth, and it's important. But Paul emphasised the gospel, and from there he reached out. <clears throat> he went to others. He actually met with the Ephesus elders. He made a point of it. In Acts chapter 20, was it 20? He called them aside and said, Look, I'm not going to see you again. I need to tell you that there's going to be some of you lead each other astray or try to lead the church astray. And um, he emphasized that point to them. Anyway, that's from memory. Let's go back here. <clears throat> was Paul crucified for you? No. <laughs> Christ sent me not to preach the gospel. And it said in verse 13, Was Paul crucified for you? No, I wasn't. Were you No, no, no. The answer is to those rhetorical questions he asked there. What was be driving Paul? What was the force behind the apostle to preach the gospel? To preach the gospel. <coughs> Verse 23 of chapter 1. But we preach Christ and him crucified to the Jews a stumbling block unto the Greeks foolishness. Chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech, nor of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. I determined not to know anything among you, save what? Jesus Christ and him crucified. The gospel is what he preached. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, what did he say? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He preached the gospel. When we talk to people about the Lord, we must get around to the gospel. 
Now we talked about prophecy this morning, but we must get around to the gospel. We must tell them that they need to be saved, that they're on their way to hell and they're perishing, but they need to be saved. They need to be told they're sinners, that, but they need to repent and be saved and they need to believe the gospel. And what is the gospel? How can we tell them if we don't know? That Jesus died and was buried and rose again the third day. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That's what it says. Death, burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. That Jesus died for your sins. Yes, you have sinned. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 1.23, Romans 6.23. <clears throat> and you can go on from there, Romans 5.8. And then get to Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. But if thou shall confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead... Thou shalt be saved. The gospel, the gospel. And Paul was all about the gospel. Now he was ministering to Jews. So what would have, he, what would have been the passage he knew backwards, forwards and upside down <laughs> for the Jews? The Old Testament chapter Isaiah 53. <laughs> that he died for our sins. That he's buried and rose again the third day. You know, that. well that's the New Testament. Yeah. He was crucified for you, you Jews. You did it, but he died for you. And so <clears throat> he was burdened. He was burdened with this message. He said, I'm sent to you. But every time he couldn't help himself, but go to the Jew first. He went to the, you know, <clears throat> see the Seventh-day Adventist. See, he's in the synagogue. See, he's there on Saturday. Well, so what? Of course he was there on Saturday because that's the day they had off. They were working on Sunday. <laughs> And still are. On Sunday, that's the day they go back to work. That's like their Monday over there today, even today. <laughs> it's busy on Sunday. All the shops are open. It's all up to business like it is here on Monday. You have to, you're a bit of a culture shock when you go there. you just got to get with it. And if you're going to have church, you'll have it on Saturday over there even now. Because you can't get people on Sunday. They're working. You can't say, well, take the day off, you know, get religious. You can have a Sunday night, you can have a service after they finish work. But that's just the way it is and the way it was. And, and as far as buildings is concerned in the early church, what churches did they have? What buildings did they have in the early church? No, there weren't any. But they had a synagogue and that's where the Jews were. And these synagogues, these buildings were scattered where? Were they just in Jerusalem? They're all over the world where Jews had been scattered. They'd built synagogues. And <clears throat> at the back of the church, the synagogue, there's usually a flat wall and you come in the door and just to the, at that side when you walk in, there was Moses' seat. And Moses' seat where a person sat and, 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 and taught. And uh, <laughs> you might have seen one of Mo sat in Moses' seat. If you go over there, you can sit in Moses' seat. And there was one in the white synagogue there at Capernaum, was it Capernaum? Um, and we sat in Moses, and the Lord probably sat in that one. <laughs> there in, in Capernaum, because that's where he ministered from, in the white synagogue there. And they've, they've got it there, still, the wall's half up, you know. And it's interesting to go there. And so this is where the Lord, this is where the apostles went. This is where they walked and talked. And... <clears throat> 
That's where they would have gone and talked to these people. That's where riots were started. Not that they had placards and that, but they just taught the Lord of the Lord and taught the gospel. And as soon as that, the, the Jews immediately were divided because some believed and many didn't. And they caused a riot. And then Paul went to the Gentiles in the cities or got thrown out by the Jews because he had a heart for his own people. I wish I myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, he says in the book of Romans. He couldn't help himself, could he? He always got into trouble because he spoke to his people first. He wanted them to get saved. He wanted them to turn to the Lord. He wished he could, he could turn them like his heart was turned. But he realized he stubbornly went on against God's prodding and goading in his heart for many years until God shone the light on his life and turned him around. What makes preaching the cross of Christ ineffective? Preaching with the wisdom of man's words. <clears throat> preaching with the wisdom of man's words. If you go back to Corinthians. <clears throat> First Corinthians chapter 2 and verses 4 through to 5. We read this. My speech and my preaching were not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith might not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world, that come to naught. He preached not in the power of man's wisdom, not in the effect of man's power. A spirit-empowered message is what bears fruit, not a man's message. Many years ago, and it always stuck with me in my mind, someone said, many messages are 99% perspiration and 1% what? Inspiration. 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 Where it should be the other way around. 99% <laughs> inspiration and 1% perspiration. And I always think of that. <laughs> you can prepare and prepare, but God has to be the one that inspires the message. Has to be God that empowers the message. <clears throat> I was reading the art, an article this week, The Power by Ty Perry wrote this article The Secret of Serving Christ and he wrote this when he was 12 years old Ian Thomas trusted Christ for salvation like many Christians he wanted to serve the Lord any way he could out of a sheer desire to win souls he said <clears throat> he said to go out and get them I was a windmill of activity until at the age of 19 every moment of my day was packed tight with doing things. Thus by the age of 19 he had been reduced to a state of complete exhaustion spiritually until I felt that there was no point in going on. Major Thomas, who later became a great evangelist, learned what many of us need to realise serving Christ, even when rightly motivated, must be done in God's strength. 
not our own. Thomas later wrote that believers who re- rely on their own strength are lamps without oil, cars without gas and pens without ink, baffled at their own impotence. Indeed, Peter taught this very point to the early church. If anyone ministers, let him do it as the ability that God giveth. 1 Peter 4, 11. Serving God in our own strength is a recipe for disaster. It's easy to minister to people we love, but serving others is another story. Human love has its limits. Jesus' love knows no bounds. In fact, Jesus' earthly ministry was to a nation that saw the miracles of God but rejected the Son of God. Jesus laid down his own life for us while we still while we were still sinners. Ministering with a profound selfless love is impossible without the Lord's empowerment. Of course, few people start out intending to serve the Lord in their own strength, but it's an easy trap to fall into. We can hold a meeting or teach a Bible study without asking God to supply our strength we need for the task. Ministry without God's strength is like trying to steer a, a sailboat without, a, without wind. You can persevere, but you won't get far. That's why God tells us, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. <clears throat> the posture. He goes on from the power to the posture in this article here. Martha and Mary were sisters, both followers of Jesus. When Jesus visited them, Martha resented her sister for listening to Jesus' teaching while she was breaking her back in the kitchen. Lord, don't you care that my sisters left me to serve, was what she said. Therefore, tell her to help me. (laughs) What began as a ministry of loving hospitality to the Lord became drudgery for Martha, embittering her against her sister. Martha, Martha, said Jesus. You're troubled and worried about all these things. You need to do what Mary's doing, she said. He said to her, a furrowed, sweat bead brow doesn't bless, please the Lord as much as a heart intent on sitting at the Master's feet. God doesn't want us to serve him grudgingly. Rather, he tells us to serve him without grumbling as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Serving God requires the proper motivation the Lord's strength and genuine humility and graciousness. God has reserved his great privilege of service for those he has redeemed. He has given us freely, and now we should freely give. <clears throat> the conclusion of the, that article there. Spirit-empowered ministry bears much fruit. Was Paul's ministry spirit-empowered? Yep. <laughs> He went everywhere preaching the gospel. Wherever he went, he was spirit in power. <laughs> you, you follow Paul through the book of Acts. Every court became a pulpit to preach. Every Colosseum he was taken to become a place to declare. Every government room become a place to declare through the power of the spirit the gospel of Christ. Everywhere he went, he didn't care. These were just men. We sometimes fear the faces of men, don't we? Well, this is a high official. This is an important man. They're just men. (laughs) 
They've got the same problems we have. They've got marriages that might be cracking up, breaking down, but they're putting on a face. They're putting on a brave face. They've got money problems too, maybe. Maybe they've got a heap of guilt on their life about things they've done wrong. And you, as a Christian, probably haven't. You see, they're facing things that, as humans, you face. They're just humans. The judge in the court, can you imagine the burden on his heart that he has to face? daily with all the things that he knows about with people's lives he's just a man and he needs salvation and Paul knew that you know and when he faced Felix and Agrippa and the other guy (laughs) he could look him in the eyeball I know what you're thinking (laughs) and then he could declare what he did in the book of Acts I know you know about the Lord Jesus. You've been raised and you've heard this before. And then he declared unto him. He said, don't try to wriggle out of it. (laughs) And Paul just stopped. Under the power and guidance of the Spirit, he gave it to him again. (laughs) And Felix trembled. That's the governor. That's the leader. That's the boss. (laughs) And the gospel was given wherever Paul went, in courts and coliseums, in synagogues and citadels. In prison, chained to a guard. <clears throat> and the guard couldn't wait to get out of there. But the guard couldn't because he was locked with him for 8 to 10 to 12 hours. I mean, every guard that Paul had chained to him got the gospel, didn't he? And everybody in the prison did too. <laughs> when Andrew was in prison in Nazareth they said why are you in <laughs> this is Palestinians why are you in here who are you he said I'm Andrew oh we know about you <laughs> and they all started asking him questions as that was on what did he tell them about who did he tell them about he didn't talk about him he talked about the Lord and how they need to get saved you can turn it on again <laughs> So, you know, if we turn it off or turn it down, those who are listening in, you know why. We're talking about something we can't put on air. See, that's the sort of opportunities we should take. And they'll come up in our lives. And what is our motive? We want to share the gospel. Let's go over to the book of Ezra. The book of Ezra. And I can feel with Ezra, we're not going far tonight. (laughs) The Jews had gone back. About 50,000 of them had started building the temple, but they hadn't finished building the temple. They'd been basically in Babylon for, what, 70 years. he come back to Jerusalem and the, the work had stopped. <clears throat> now, when these things were done, the princes came to me saying, the people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the lands doing according to their abominations of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Jebusites and the Ammonites and the Moabites and the Egyptians the Amorites they have taken of their daughters for themselves and for their sons so that the holy seed 
have mingled themselves with the people of the lands. Yea, the hand of the princes and the rulers had been chief in their trespasses. Why did Israel go into captivity? For just what had been told to Ezra. They'd gone into captivity for the very things that these leaders had just been doing when they come back from captivity. And when I heard this thing, I rent my garments, I tore off my suit (laughs) and my mantle and plucked off my hair of my head. (laughs) When we say that today, (laughs) ripped out hair of my head. What was he? He was just mad. He was so upset. And my beard and sat down astoned or astonished or appalled at what I just heard. He'd just come back from Babylon. Then were assembled unto me every one who trembled at the words of the God of Israel because of the transgression of those who had been carried away and I sat astonied unto the evening sacrifice. And at the evening sacrifice I rose up from my heaviness having rent my garment and my mantle and I fell upon my knees and spread out my hands unto the Lord my God and said, O my God. I am ashamed and blush to lift up my face to thee, my God. For our iniquities are increased over our head, and our trespasses is grown unto the heavens. Since the days of our fathers have we been in great trespass unto this day, and for our iniquities have we, our kings, our priests, have been delivered into the hand of the kings of the lands, to the sword, to the captivity, to the spoil, and to confusion of face as at this day. And now, for a little space, grace had been shown from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape. In other words, we've been delivered from the captivity, we've been brought back to the land to build the temple, to give us a a nail in this holy place, that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving of our bondage. For we were bondmen, yet our God hath not forsaken us in our bondage, but hath extended mercy unto us in the sight of the kings of Persia, to give us a reviving and to set the house of our God, and to repair the desolations of it, and to give us a wall in Judah and in Jerusalem. And now, O our God, what shall we say after this? For we have forsaken thy commandments which thou hast commanded thy servants. He is appalled at what these people who should know better and what has happened to the last generation and they should all be repenting. And here's a preacher that is just beside himself for what has happened. In verse 13 he said, And after all that is come upon us, for all our evil deeds, for our great trespasses, seeing that thou, our God, hast punished us less than our iniquities deserve. You should have wrote us off, really. And hast given us such deliverance as this. Should we again break thy commandments and join in affinity with the people of these abominations, wouldest not thou be angry with us till thou hast consumed us so that we should not be a remnant nor escaping? Paul, with his people, as he went around all the countries and in Asia Minor, was appalled at the people's attitude toward the preaching of the gospel. 
today as the Lord looks down and sees the Western world and all the privileges of having the gospel preached unto them, as he looks upon families that have had the Christian gospel preached to them, and I've had two families of five children each this week, the mums, basically saying, what has happened to my kids? They're terrified for what's going to happen to their kids should the Lord come. They, they, they can see the Lord's coming. They are weeping for their children. Only one of five in each family they know is saved. The other four are resisting really strong. They're fearful of what's going to happen if they're left behind. One of, the, one of the ones that is resisting has said to their mum, Mum, what's happening in the world? What's going on? And the mum said, you know, and use the name, you know what's going on. I've told you and told you, but you won't listen to me. Listen to what God is saying. And, and, and Ezra's here saying, look, God has done what he's done to, this world, to, to us as a nation. And we've come back to the land. He's been so gracious to us. And we're doing it again within a hundred years. We're all repeating the same mistakes. Why don't we wake up? Why do we repeat it so quickly? <clears throat> let's repent. Let's turn to the Lord. Let's not... Oh, God doesn't exist. He's not in our thoughts at all. Look, the message this morning, <clears throat> there's a lot more we could have said. I should have divided it into a few messages. but I think it's... Every preacher I talk to that knows anything about prophecy and people that haven't been talking about prophecy are talking about it. No, it's happening. Someone said after the message this morning, I didn't think it would get so real. I didn't think we would see what we are seeing before the rapture. Are we ready to go? Are our children ready to go? Let's pray earnestly. There's a word, there's something I had down in the message I didn't say this morning. There's three times. When the Lord prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, remember, great um, sweat drops of blood. The earnest prayer. There's two other times that's used. One, one before and one after where there was prayer for Peter when he was in prison. He was going to be executed after, after the Passover. And the church got on their knees, the church in Jerusalem, and prayed. The, the same word is used that the Lord was used to pray. And, great, and you know what? The bars of the prison busted open. Didn't, Peter just walked out. We need to pray for the people of Israel, we need to pray, weeping, for our children, for our uncles and our aunts who know these things. There's an uncle I've mentioned many times, I'm going to say it in public again, but pray for him. I don't know if he's saved or not, but pray for him. He's so close. He's got nieces and nephews all over witnessing to him. Pray for him. 
But you pray for your own too, with an earnest prayer, and God knows your heart when you do. The mums and dads too that aren't saved. We haven't got long and it's all over. And if it's not in our life, it's not long for the next generation. But how can it go on, folks? How can it go on? This world is not going to last. Let's get on with each other. Let's work with each other. Let's labour with each other. And um, <clears throat> do what the apostles did. Be one-track minded. Get the gospel to people who need to hear it in a loving and a gracious way. Not in a bombastic way, but lovingly and graciously talk to them. Heavenly Father, help us to be the servants you want us to be. And Lord, like Peter, he was able to see Paul in the right light, though Paul had corrected him sternly. And Paul was able to work with Peter. They were of the same church. They're on the same page. They're in working together and labours in the gospel together. Thank you for that, Lord, a great example. And that Paul was able to take John Mark on board again and use him. He's profitable for the ministry, he said. Lord, use us as we labour together in this little field here and as we labour together with our missionaries on far-flung fields. Lord, we pray your blessing on every seed we sow, that it would germinate by the power of your Holy Spirit. It would come forth and bring forward a hundredfold for the glory of the Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.